Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. We've been pointing out that Jesus was a Jew who must be understood in his first century Palestinian Jewish environment. It's a fatal mistake of Bible study to imagine that we can simply take our own 20th century American ideas and read them into the Bible. Jesus was not a Westerner. He didn't live in the 20th century. Much of what we've learned in church comes from a doctrinal system that arose after the Bible and the canon of the New Testament was complete. In simple terms, let me tell you that there was a strong Greek philosophical influence that came to bear on the teaching of the church after the death of the apostles. The apostles, as we read in the New Testament, gave a strong warning to the effect that after they had died, there would be an influx of alien ideas into the church, confusing the disciples and distorting the faith once delivered to the saints. I'm sure you remember in the little book of Jude, written by the half-brother of Jesus, that he warned in the third verse of an urgent need to recover the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Now, Jude states there in the early part of his epistle that he'd wanted to speak of the common salvation which he and his audience enjoyed, but there was a greater need at hand, and it was simply to urge the Christians to recover the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Now, you can well imagine that 2,000 years later, that warning applies to us. It's a fact of church history that in the second century and onwards there occurred an intrusive idea from the world of Greek philosophy that man is by nature immortal and that when he dies a part of him, the immortal soul, goes on surviving either in hell immediately or in heaven. But as a leading Bible scholar from Cambridge said within recent years, heaven in fact in the Bible is nowhere the destination of the dying. I wonder if you knew that the word hell in the King James Version of our Bible is disastrously mistranslated. There's an enormous confusion that has arisen in the minds of Bible readers because two completely distinct Greek words have been rendered by the same English word hell. In other words, the place of the dead, where all the dead go the moment they die, is translated as hell. But so is also a completely different word in the Greek language which means the place of punishment for the wicked. Now, you can imagine how terribly confusing that is. Let me put it to you quite simply. There are two completely distinct Greek words. One is the word Hades, and the other is the word Gehenna, or hellfire. And both of those words, which have sharply different meanings and implications, were translated by a single word, hell, in the King James Version of the Bible. Now, modern translations have done something to correct this extraordinary confusion. But people reading a King James Bible, and with no knowledge of the original languages, are going to be confused about the destiny of man. The word Gehenna, translated in the King James as hell, means hell fire. And the word Hades, also translated as hell, means the place of silence and unconsciousness to which all the dead, good and evil, go until the resurrection. 
Now, in order to understand the Bible intelligently, it's absolutely essential to distinguish those two words. We read in Acts 2.31 that Jesus Christ was neither abandoned to hell, nor did his flesh suffer decay. Now, that's an incorrect translation in the King James Bible. It doesn't say that Jesus was not abandoned to hell fire. It says that Jesus was not abandoned to Hades or the place of the dead. Now, Hades in Scripture is not a place of punishment. It's simply a place of repose and rest for all the dead, the good and the wicked together, until they are resurrected in the future. The correct translation appears, for instance, in the New American Standard Version of the Bible. There we learn that Christ was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. Now, an entirely different word in the Greek language, Gehenna, is the place of punishment, which does not actually exist at the present time, but will exist following the second coming of Jesus. There's to be a lake of fire, a Gehenna of fire, a fiery place of punishment, which will destroy the wicked when Jesus returns. But that place of punishment does not exist at present. Did you know that according to the Bible, nobody is currently being tormented in a subterranean hellfire, and nobody is alive and conscious in heaven, apart, of course, from God and the angels and Jesus Christ himself? The whole idea that at the moment of death, a person receives either his reward in heaven or punishment in hell is untrue to our New Testament documents. You will find this a most illuminating fact in your Bible study. Try reading the Bible with the correct notion in mind, namely that it's only at the resurrection in the future that people gain consciousness, that they come out of death, from death again into life, either the life of the age to come in the kingdom of God or to be rejected from that kingdom. All of Jesus' parables are set within this framework and the parable of Lazarus and the rich man is no exception. Sometimes that parable is given a meaning which would make it contradict the entirety of the rest of Jesus' teaching, indeed the entirety of the rest of the teaching of the Bible. According to Scripture, the dead know nothing at all. They're asleep and unconscious, awaiting resurrection. Listen, for example, to the famous words of Daniel in Daniel 12, verse 2, predicting the resurrection which is going to occur when Jesus comes back. Daniel wrote this, Many of those who are sleeping in the dust of the ground will arise, some to the life of the age to come. Did you hear that? The dead are said to be sleeping in the dust of the ground until they're resurrected. And that resurrection, of course, according to 1 Corinthians 15.23, will not occur before Jesus returns. Only when Jesus returns... And the last trumpet sounds, the seventh trumpet of Revelation. Only then do the dead emerge from the state of sleep and unconsciousness which they're currently enjoying. There's no one now alive in heaven, except, of course, for Jesus Christ and the angels and God himself. There's no one now currently burning in a subterranean hell. Those ideas are part of the confusing Greek philosophical concepts which interfered with the Bible in post-biblical times. It was against that confusing influence of Greek philosophy that Paul warned on a number of occasions, and indeed the apostles stated with absolute clarity that after their departure such a confusion would arise in the church. 
The fact remains that the safe procedure for all Bible readers at all times is to search the Scriptures daily to see if what they're hearing is true. This is what the Bereans did, we read in Acts 17, verse 11, and they were commended there for their diligent and daily investigation of Scripture, checking, verifying, testing what they heard against the gold standard of God's inspired Word. Now, here's a simple matter for you to check. Are the dead currently alive in heaven or burning in hell? Is the word hell properly translated in the King James Bible? These are questions that you can settle for yourself. We'd like to send you some free literature to help you with that Bible study. Simply ask us for our booklet entitled, What Happens When You Die? You can request it from us either by using email or the telephone number to be given at the end of this program or writing to us at the address which will also be given. We invite you to study this important issue of the destiny of man. Listen, for example, to the famous words of Jesus in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Jesus said this, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear the Son of Man's voice, and they will come forth from their tombs, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Do you see there that the resurrection is a corporate affair? Jesus said that all who are in their tombs will emerge. They will hear the voice of the Son of Man, and they will emerge from their tombs in one vast company. He's speaking there, of course, of resurrection to life in the kingdom of God for the faithful. According to Revelation 20, the faithful of all the ages will indeed emerge from their tombs in order to take part in that thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth, that millennial kingdom to be inaugurated by the arrival of Jesus in power and glory in the future. Many of those indeed who are sleeping in the dust of the ground will arise in resurrection. That verse in Daniel 12, verse 2, is a key to understanding God's future. It tells you what the dead are now doing. They're sleeping, and it tells you where they're doing it, in the dust of the ground. I must point out to you that that verse in Daniel 12, verse 2, does not say that the departed spirits or souls of the faithful are going to come down out of heaven to collect their bodies. No, it says that the faithful themselves are sleeping in the dust of the ground. You see this famous line about John Brown's body moldering in the ground, but his soul goes marching on, is popular theology, but it's not biblical theology. There's no departed soul or spirit in the Bible. There's no part of you which can subsist without a body. You don't survive death. The only way you come out of death is by resurrection in the future. God brings down to the grave. Hannah sang in that famous song in 1 Samuel 2. He brings people down to Sheol or Hades, the grave, the world of the dead, and he brings them out by resurrection. But you see, according to this Jewish writer, Hannah, in the pages of our Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, nobody escapes Sheol. You can't immediately disappear to heaven or hell. You have to go to the place of waiting, the place of rest, before resurrection. This is what I mean about relating to the Bible in its Hebrew context. Whatever we've been taught in church may not necessarily be an accurate reflection of the biblical point of view. How, for instance, does your view compare with that of Hannah, the inspired words of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2? 
The Lord kills, she says, and makes alive. The Lord brings down to Sheol or Hades or the grave and raises up. There you have a transparently simple and clear view of what happens when we die. God puts everybody in Hades or Sheol or the grave, and he eventually raises everybody from that state of death via resurrection. Now, according to the Bible, there's a very clear system of resurrections which God has planned. 1 Corinthians 15:23 is a key verse in understanding our destiny. That verse says that those who belong to Christ, the Christians, will be raised from death at the coming of Christ. Now, of course, there will be some surviving Christians who will not need to die at all. They will simply be caught up together with those who are raised from death to meet the Lord as he descends towards Jerusalem. Jesus, you see, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 and onwards, Jesus is coming back to reside in this earth and to rule the world with an iron rod initially and to establish an era of unparalleled peace which will stretch across our globe. Jesus makes this period of unparalleled peace and prosperity the subject of his gospel of the kingdom. We invite you to request from us our free book on the kingdom of God, the coming kingdom of the Messiah, a solution to the riddle of the New Testament, also our booklet on what happens when we die. We ask you to request these from us at the telephone number to be given at the end of this program. Meanwhile, we invite you to be checking our findings carefully in your own Bible study at home. And join us again as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.